workers. I appreciate your help. God bless all of you that are here. Thank God, it's good to see you. I see some of you, we've been rotating in and out in the time of sickness. Some of you are back with us. Thank God for you, people watching online. I am believing God, he's gonna help us. There's gonna come a day soon when we're all gonna be here together. That will be a wonderful, wonderful thing. But thank you for coming, and especially if you're visiting with us, uh, I am honored to have you with us. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 16. I started sometime back a, a sermon series I've been preaching uh, out of the book of Matthew chapter 16 called The Foundations of the Church. We find in Matthew 16, Jesus reveals his plan. And we've looked at a number of issues. We looked at the basis of salvation in the church, which is revelation the revelation of Jesus Christ. We looked at God's plan. The master plan is the church assembled, people gathered together. We talked about the power of the church, supernatural power in binding and loosing. And last week we looked at the spirit that makes the church powerful, which is the cross life, surrender to Jesus Christ. This morning is gonna be our uh, final message, we wind up in the last two verses of uh, Matthew 16, and we're going to look at perspective. I have a rope here, and six inches of this rope are painted red. The red section of this rope represents your life. How long are you going to be on this earth? For some people, that is short. Our sister Juanita, as Pastor Jesse said, our oldest living member, she passed away last night at 98. That's a very good run. Two more years, she, she'd have got a letter from the president, but <laughs> missed it by that much. Our current oldest then, that means Carlene Croft, now 92, and I... The way Carlene's looking, I wouldn't be surprised at all. She easily makes 100. She's looking healthy. That's, that's a good run. Others will never, their red section will never make that much. Your life on earth. But the Bible says that however long your life is, that is not the end. Because you see, there is a dimension called eternity, time without end. And I just want to show you just a, a visual picture. Pastor Stephen's going to come and he is going to take this. I want you to think about this. He's going to walk out and as he's walking, go ahead, Stephen. Here is a thousand years from now and it still goes on. 10,000 years from now, it will still go on. 100,000 years from now, keep on going, Stephen. We're going to be here for a while. How many of you know that? We got a little bit more of eternity left here, Stephen. And that about be about enough. You get the idea. 
it's going to go on and on and on. The red section, your life, is only just a fragment of something that goes on and on and on. In Jesus telling us about God's plan in the church, revelation, gathering, power, the cross life or surrender, now he winds up in what is truly going to make the church and our lives, it's going to become powerful as we add this dimension, that is the eternal perspective. So let's read in Matthew 16, starting in verse uh, 27. And we're going to read together, the Bible says in these two verses, For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Eternal perspective. Let's begin, let's talk about a faulty perspective. Matthew chapter 16, as you read it from verse 1, it's a chapter that shows competing perspectives. Perspective is how you view things or what you see. And in this chapter, you see two competing perspectives. That is the heavenly perspective from God's uh, uh, viewpoint, an earthly perspective or how people view it. We have the Pharisees and starts off in verse 1. Uh, give us a sign to show us that you're authorized to, uh, to be here and to work for, for God. Versus Jesus, his response is the signs of the times. He, he tells them how God is looking at life. The disciples are concerned about bread now. That's, that's what we're concerned. Jesus deals with heart issues, character issues, talks about leaven. He talks about people's opinions. Who do they say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Versus God's opinion. Our Father in heaven has revealed it. Then he talks about God's plan of salvation in the church that in, in, uh, comes through the cross versus human plans. So, the reason why over and over again these two perspectives is because Jesus is trying to get us to look up beyond what we normally would see ourselves and look at life from a heavenly Dimension, the problem is that people tend to have earthly or temporary perspectives. We tend to evaluate life by the here and now. What is life like? What's good in life? Well, what is here and now? What we can see, what affects us right now, what benefits us now? John 3.31 says, The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and talks about the things of the earth. Earth-bound believers will base their values on the world or the world system. 1 John 2.16, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it is of 
the world. People look at life and they, they base it on pride and power, the pride of life being seen. We live in a world that the, the most important thing, you have young people, they say they would rather be famous than be rich. Because being seen, how many likes do I have on my Facebook page? How many, how many uh, Instagram followers do I have? Uh, this gives me importance. Money and comfort. If I had money, I would be secure. If I had money, people would think that I'm important because of where I live, what I drive, what I can wear. What feels good to my flesh whether that is emotional all the way up to sexuality, earthbound believers, they base it on the world. And earthbound believers, they base their values on temporary things. You know, a, a repeated statement that God has to say over and over again to his people is, heaven and earth will pass away. Because even believers, they, they get so consumed. It's like, this is my life. Their entire life is bound up in things that are not going to last. The rich young ruler, he encounters Jesus Christ. I want to follow you. And Jesus talks to him about money. And you're going to have to make some decisions about money. And he went away sorrowful he turned away from destiny we could have been reading about him as one of the followers of Jesus Christ but he turned away for what for a house for a bank account they're not going to last Luke 9 you had people who said I want to follow you but not if it costs me money and security not if not if uh, my family would be upset at me Matthew twenty two fourteen. for many are called, but few are chosen. I made a statement in the men's rally. I've seen lots of people that they are taken out because of sin, but I have seen so many more people. They turn away from the will of God, not because of sin. They just get consumed with temporary viewpoints. Reading about a young man, he dreamed about becoming a pastor. He wanted to make a difference for the kingdom of God, he wanted to reach people who weren't Christians. But he also liked sports cars. In his denomination, they went to Bible school. On the day he was accepted in Bible school, he celebrated by getting a loan to buy a fancy, expensive sports car. First day at Bible school, when he came in, driving in the parking lot, he got a lot of people going, wow, ooh, unbelievable. Students don't usually ride in such style. Besides taking classes all day, now he had to get a job at night to make the payments and maintenance on the car. Never did finish his studies. And his fellow students, he go, hey, whatever happened to so-and-so, he got distracted from calling for something that isn't going to last and having earthly and temporary viewpoints, of course, it can destroy you eternally. Verse 26, what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? Listen, there is not one thing in this world worth going to hell for. There is nobody that's going to be in hell. They're going to go, but I got an awesome house. Woohoo, my girlfriend, she was worth it. 
No, absolutely not. Henry David Thoreau said, as if you could kill time without injuring eternity. Let's talk secondly about an eternal perspective. Jesus tells of God's great plan, which is the church, as we assemble together. He talks about the power that's available, and he winds up his instruction on the church with the perspective that makes everything work and effective and lasting. And he says, what you have to have is eternal perspective. Whatever you're going through in this life right now, there is a dimension outside of you. The heavenly, he speaks about the glory of the Father. But we're looking at this, there is a dimension that is eternal. Time without end. That rope could have gone on and on and on. Listen, a thousand years from now, a hundred thousand years, a million years from now, you will still exist. Eternal. It will never stop. Heaven or hell. He speaks about eternal life. Salvation is called eternal life. He talks about eternal glory, eternal inheritance, something that will never stop. So therefore, what is going to last forever, that should be the most important thing in life. It should determine your choices. What am I going to do with my life? You better take into account eternity. That should determine it. What am I going to do now with my time, with my money, relationships? Eternity better form the basis of those decisions. Verse 24 and 25, Jesus said, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Why would you willingly deny yourself? Think about this. Guys, I want you to come follow me. And uh, what that means is at times it will cost you money. What? Why would I do that? It, it will cost you the favor of people sometimes. Like, who would sign up for such a thing? That's not how advertising works, does it? Advertising says, we want you to buy this product. It stinks. You're going to hate it. It's going to be terrible. Come and buy That's not how it works. They tell you it's going to be fantastic. Everyone who has these ads is beautiful. They all look rich. They're all smiling. And then at the end, they say, and it gives you itching, <laughs> explosive diarrhea. It could kill you tomorrow. That's how advertise. But Jesus up front, why would you choose something that may cost you? Because he says the cost will be temporary, but you're going to go into eternity forever. This life is not all there is. Jesus speaks in our scripture about two events in eternal perspective that should help form 
our decisions and our viewpoint. The first of those is future judgment. Verse 27, he will reward each one according to his works. Every single person here, I don't know whether you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, all of us, one day, we will stand before God and the Bible says we will give account, Romans 14, 12. So then each of us will give account of himself to God. You are going to explain to God how you lived and why you lived that way. For unbelievers... Their judgment, their meeting with God will be a judgment on sin. At the end of that conversation, the result will be eternal judgment in hell. Jesus tells the story of a real man. And at that time, he had already died. And Jesus, who can see into eternity, says he's in hell right now. That was 2,000 years ago. Out in there, he's still there today. And he says, listen, some people, if you're not right with God, the meeting with God will be eternal. There will never come a day when God will say, okay, time out, no more. No, it will go on and on and on. But for believers, we also will give an account. Our accounting, we also will explain to God, what did we do and why did we do it? For us, it's not going to be, is it heaven or hell? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're born again, you're going to go to heaven. But it will determine rewards. God is going to ask some of us, what I gave you in life, what did you do with it? Not because he's going to toss you into hell, but you're going to look him in the eye. What I called you to do, the abilities that I gave you, what did you do with it? And if you did nothing or if you wasted it, why? And that will last forever. Listen, on life, remember that little red section? There are no redos. There are no makeups. There's no mulligans on eternity. You don't get a do-over. I know you really messed up your life, didn't you? How about let's try again? The second event is future coming. Matthew 16, 27, for the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with angels. Acts 1, 11, Jesus, who had been taken up from you into heaven, he will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. We call this the return of Jesus Christ or the second coming, which in the Bible it describes it. It happens in two phases. First, Jesus is going to come for true believers. He's going to remove suddenly, as fast as you can blink, remove every true believer from the earth so that God's judgment can come on the earth. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. We who are alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. In our congregation in the last few weeks, Emma Gabaldon has passed away. We have Arnie Dirksen and now Juanita Schultz. They have passed away. They're gone. They're already with heaven. And the Bible says, for us that are true believers, there's coming an event as fast as you can blink. God will catch us up. We will meet the Lord in the air. And then God's judgment. We will meet those saints that have just passed away. We're going to see them again. 
The second phase is then Jesus is going to come with true believers. And this is talking about final judgment. Jude speaks about the Lord coming with thousands and thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone. Literally, our usefulness, God is going to come back for a thousand years, set up his reign on the earth, and what we do during that time will depend on what we are doing right now. If you're not fulfilling your calling, if you're not a good steward, if you're not obeying God, then it is that you're not going to have that reward and the privilege. So, the rapture, that disappearance, Time is short. I look at the world today, it's like, Lord, this cannot go on much longer. And the belief in the rapture and the return of Jesus Christ, that is what makes the church powerful and safe. The greatest times of revival in history are connected to when God's people have the strongest belief in the rapture. Our church was birthed in the Jesus movement. Late 1960s, early 1970s, God began to sovereignly move upon America. Young people by the thousands were getting saved all across America. That is the foundation of our church from 1970. God began to save and one of the reasons why all across America people were getting saved, there was a passion. People believed they were telling about Jesus is coming soon. And it's not an accident when God's people hold to that future event, that eternal perspective, then it is that they evangelize, they warn people, and God saves them. The reason why we do that is we understand our time is Short In February 2002, an ice storm left Michigan residents without power. Valerie O'Connor borrowed a kerosene heater from a friend so he could keep the pipes and family members from freezing. But when he lit the heater, it exploded, spewing burning fuel on his arms, hands, and upper body. Valerie saw her, her grandfather completely engulfed in fire, so she pushed him out the door into the snow and rolled on top of him to smother the flames. Valerie said later, I knew something had to be done. After a moment of shock, I just reacted. Her grandfather said later, I thought I was going to die. It was like hell. You know, when Valerie saw her grandfather on fire, she didn't say, I believe you're burning, but I'm busy. I believe you're burning, but, you know, my friends want me to call them on the phone. No, no, no. Absolutely. Someone I love is in danger. I will do everything I can. That is what, when God's people have an eternal perspective, Jesus is coming back. We're going to stand before God. Jesus is going to remove every true believer from the earth. This world is coming to an end we are in the last moments of the last hour. Therefore, in our choices, we focus on eternity. Let's close with one last thought. Let's talk about seeing eternity. Jesus speaks in our scripture about those who see into eternity. Verse 28, there are some standing here who shall not taste death 
until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. You understand this had a, a partly a literal fulfillment on the Mount of Transfiguration. Three disciples saw into the heavenly realm. Jesus began to glow. They were so bright. The glory of, of God was shining in him. They saw Moses and Elijah who were already dead and yet they still live. So they saw that. But what Jesus is saying here is believers who see into eternity. That is what makes the revelation of Jesus Christ, the gathering, the assembly of the church, the power of prayer and the spirit of the cross life. That's what it brings it all together, makes it powerful and effective when they see into eternity. Every believer can see into eternity. You can do that by looking at God's word and believing what God says about eternity and say, saying, I know that that's true, Romans 13, 11, that knowing the time, it's now high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. If you take God at his word, he says... This life is not all there is. And this life is going to be very short compared to eternity. Therefore, we make our choices because we can see eternity. Robert Murray McShane said, Lord, stamp eternity on my eyelids. I often joke with the guys when I'm going to go take a nap as I say the Lord has a message for me it's behind my eyelids and I have to close my eyes to see it. But Robert McShane, he said, Lord, stamp eternity on my eyelids. You know what he's saying is, God, when I close my eyes, let me see this life is not all there is. Let me see eternity. I had a pastor wrote me an email yesterday asking questions about my father. He said, why, after all the success, why did... Your father keep going. Why did he keep pushing? He'd already accomplished so much. You know why? Because he could see eternity. And he understood this life is temporary. Therefore, I'm going to do everything I can. You know what we need to do? We need to make eternity our focus. We need to read God's word and study about eternity. We need to pray about eternity. We need to think about eternity. We need to factor it into our decisions. You're thinking of doing something. Will this matter in eternity? That, that changes so many dimensions. Some of you here, you're, you're consumed. I'm, I'm so mad. I, wanna, I, I like to hurt them. Is it going to matter in eternity? I, I think I'm going to give my time, my money to... Will that matter in eternity? We need to tell about eternity. We need to witness and tell people about it. Need to sing about eternity. Pastors need to preach about eternity. I close with this. In 1956, five young men traveled into the jungles of Ecuador to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to a primitive 
tribe called the Alcas, the Alca Indians. But they were attacked and they were murdered by a killing party from the Alca tribe. This made worldwide news. And when, when people got the news, they were, these were young men. Most of them were in their 20s. They had families. And now they died. Most people looked at it and said, what a waste. They wasted their lives. One of these young men had said previously, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. But out of their death, hundreds of young people were stirred by their sacrifice. They wound up volunteering for the mission field. Nate Saint, one of the men who was killed, his sister, Jim Elliott, his wife, they actually moved to live with the Alka tribe that had murdered their relatives. And they brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. The very man who had speared, had stabbed Nate Saint to death, he became a Christian. Later on, they asked this man, the former murderer, they said, what are you going to do when you get to heaven? He said, I am going to run up to Nate Saint and throw my arms around him and thank him for bringing Jesus Christ to me and my people. And I know that Nate will throw his arms around me and welcome me home. That is an eternal perspective. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep, time and money, the things of this world. You can't keep it anyway. To gain what he will never lose because time will go on and on and on. Every believer in Jesus Christ, we must have an eternal perspective. Let's bow our heads. Close our eyes all across this place.